1: that sound this is a good one welcome everybody to the full-scale outdoors podcast I am Dale Luganville. thank you very much for joining me and welcome to this week's recap and rant Uh, it's gonna be mostly a recap because I need to have not done one in a couple weeks and, uh, I mean, there's pretty good reasons for that, but i not going to make excuses. Let's just say it's been a couple weeks, so I have a fair amount to go over. So here we go. Uh, so let's back up a couple weeks. We're headed into the Minnesota Made Outdoors third event, which was on East Prior Lake. So before that, we had our annual HHO event our hometown here outdoors where we team up with uh, HHO and we get a bunch of veterans and uh, active military law enforcement personnel and we get them on the ice and the Minnesota made tournament anglers some of them we volunteer our time and uh, we basically guide a team of HHO members and then we have a little tournament on the ice that was on West Rush and uh, that's we look forward to that every year. This, this is our third year, I believe. Yes, our third year, and uh, it was cold again. Like every single event has been cold, but it wasn't as cold as last year. Last year was like twenty below zero, stupid cold. But it was pretty cold. And um, anyways, so yeah, that was that was a ton of fun. Uh, as it always is, and it's just growing bigger and bigger every year. We're getting more and more prizes as sponsors are stepping up and uh, couldn't be happier with the way it's turning out. Um, I kind of went for – I I thought I had like an ace in the hole for my team uh, because where we set up this year is really close to a spot that I had uh, some waypoints on. And, so, and it's, so this isn't like our normal event where we, like, run all over the lake. We have kind of like a designated area. I mean, it's a, you know, it's a broad area. You can expand to some extent, but it's not like you can't just run across the lake and fish somewhere else. So the, this spot was close to one of my one of my pins. So I'm like, all right, I got this in the bag. Well, that didn't exactly happen. Uh, <laughs> well, we started fishing. I ran to my spot, and uh, we were using LiveScope, and we found these. Huge schools, but we were having a heck of a time getting a bite. And then we did. There were these like super tiny bluegills, and I was like, "Man, I just can't, I can't stand these these fish. They're moving around. They're not the ones I want. I know there's better fish here." And everybody else was like, stayed out in like the big community hole amongst all the other houses. I mean, we were all off by ourselves. Like that was great. And. And it finally dawned on me, and I'm like, as I'm looking all over this, like, little mini basin I was in, I was like, oh, I remember now. Like, I remember there were these big, giant schools of suspended little fish. And the ones you wanted were, like, closer to the bottom, smaller schools, but better fish. So that's what I started looking for. And by this time, we had a few fish in our bucket. Um, it was perch. And so the way the way we do the Minnesota Made HHO event is slightly different from the way we do the regular Minnesota mate events. So for the regular events, it's um, seven and seven. So seven gills, seven crappies. And then if you get both limits, you get a bonus fish. So you're going to weigh 15 fish. The way we do it in um, HHO is, I believe, just 10 fish, 10 pant fish of any kind. So perch included. And so we're throwing some perch in. Um, they weren't very big, but hey, got to get a limit. That's the that's the main that's the main goal. Years past, it's been pretty tough just to get a limit. So I feel like if you're getting a limit, you're at least going to be competitive. So that's goal number one. And so we're starting to fill the bucket. We're getting some perch. And then this dawns on me. This, I remember, I'm like, oh, crap. So I go back, and I'm looking around for these smaller schools. And then I find them. And sure enough, and so I can't add anything to the bucket. I'm just there to, to guide them. But when I find them and I have them set up and they're fishing, so I dropped a line down just to see, and I set the hook, and sure enough, it's a, a better bluegill. I'm like, yep, these are the ones we want. So I'm like, hey, let's move over here. And I, I move my team over, and we start fishing there, and we do start catching some of those bluegills. And so now we get to kind of upgrade, get rid of some of our perch, and uh, yeah, we're slowly upgrading. But it took me a fair amount to get this going to figure this pattern out and then uh so it, it basically took too long because once we got our kind of i got our limit and i think it had two perch yet that i was hoping to call out of there i mean the goal is to get like better bluegills and then maybe move out where everybody else was and get the crappies that were out there now in the past i had picked up some um random crappies in this spot too but not today. Uh, so that's kind of what I thought we were doing well till I started seeing everybody else's bags. And people were actually catching crappies out there. And the crappies in general are always going to weigh more than the bluegills. So, and they did. And so we didn't really place as high as I was hoping. Um, but they did a good job and it was a lot of fun. And uh, everybody still, they, everybody goes away with like great gifts and uh, prizes and stuff like that. And then there's a raffle and it's, it's, it's pretty damn awesome. And that was a good day. Uh, so then we're, that was that. And then in the meantime, Joel was out on East Rush uh, scouting for our Minnesota Maid tournament. So we had a little bit of time after tearing down and doing all the festivities. And I ran over there uh, to meet him and see what our, our plans were. And so we're kind of formulating this plan. And we had found some really nice bluegills um, in this one spot. But there's a problem. And that part of the lake had snowmobile radar runs all day so we weren't quite sure and we knew that kind of going into it, we're like how is this going to affect our fish and we checked them and the fish were still there so were they going to be sketchy or not and also they were going to have some more snowmobile races the next day on actual tournament day but they didn't start until like I think 10 or 11 or something like that. So I'm like, well, we could get there first thing in the morning. So we're running all our other spots. And we had found, you know, a bunch of mixed spots, crappies and bluegills. We found some just like straight crappie spots. And so Joel had been running and he was checking those spots and they were still holding the fish. And so there, I mean, basically in this lake, there's fish everywhere. I mean, literally there's just like fish everywhere. And we kind of thought, you know what, this is going to be, everybody's going to catch fish. And Almost everybody's going to have a bag. It's kind of going to be a coin flip about who, you know, gets the better fish. And, and they're just everywhere. And people are going to be fishing on top of each other and just real close. So it's it's just going to be one of those lakes. And so knowing that, Joel and I are thinking, what can we do? What can we do to kind of increase our odds to have, you know, a slightly better bag? And so our thought was this spot that we had found And a couple of our teams had known about it, but we thought the snowmobiles would kind of scare everybody off. And we also found that the bluegills were biting better in low light, so like, you know, last light of night or first thing in the morning. So we were thinking, we're like, well, we could go there first thing. Most people are going to go get their crappies first. That's just what generally happens but in pre-fishing and scouting the last couple weeks you know we had pretty much been able to catch crappies at any time of the day so i wasn't too concerned about that but this bigger bluegill bite was kind of like a morning thing so what we we're thinking is let's run to this spot let's get a better than average bluegill bag and then we can run and go get our crappies as if we have a good bluegill bag that might be the thing that kind of separates us you know if we have the same crappies as everybody else but we have better bluegills well we're geniuses right so that's kind of you know we're him and han we weren't quite sure what to do so the night before i basically said to Joel, i said we just need to make a decision and then stick with that and then live with the consequences whether you know with heroes or zeros whatever whatever it might be and uh So we decided, yep, let's do it. Let's go for our bluegills. So Sunday morning rolls around. We get to the lake, and I mentioned him one last time. I'm like, we sticking to the plan? He's like, yep, let's stick to the plan. I'm like, all right, let's do it. And so we take off, and we, uh, of course, it's like, couldn't be on the further end of the lake. Like <laughs> it's all the way. We launch in the south, and it's all the way to the north. This is just stupid. Uh, so we run all the way up there, and sure enough, everybody peels off to go to these crappy spots and these community spots, and we have this spot all to ourselves, which is awesome. So we start drilling it out. Um, I start dropping a camera. Yep, sure enough, they're there. Joel starts fishing, and we start catching bluegills. And you know, we doesn't take long. We're putting them in the cooler. We're getting some up. We're upgrading, and it's taken a little bit longer than we wanted to. And one of the first things I noticed when we started drilling holes is a lot more weeds were coming up, and I'm guessing it's from all that snowmobile traffic. Um, and you're like, "How could that be?" Well, most people don't realize, but when you drive on the ice with a truck or four wheeler or a snowmobile or whatever, you're actually still putting weight down on that on on that ice, and that ice is pushing down in the water. When you're zipping across there, you're actually making a wake, just like you would with a boat. It's just underneath the ice. And so all that up and down and that wave action must have broke loose and stirred up a bunch of those weeds. So I wasn't quite sure how that was going to affect the bite. It didn't seem to hurt it, which was, I was very relieved to see that because we were catching fish, and we had to make some kind of micro moves and shift around as the bite died off and kind of found the right zone that they wanted to be in but we kind of narrowed it down and it was weird it was like you know we kind of gridded this area out and there was like a like a narrow strip that was like obviously just doing better and we were catching more and bigger fish in that spot so we kind of keyed in on that and then um got to about nine in the morning and we noticed the the bite was already starting to die off. And I was like, well, should we make a run? What should we do? Should we sit here, and try to upgrade a little bit more? And Joel's like, let's give it 30 more minutes. I'm like, all right, let's give it 30 more minutes. I think we did upgrade once or twice. So it was kind of worth it. But then 9.30 rolled around, we're like, yeah, we gotta go. So we head out and we, just as we're heading out, another team kind of comes pulling in. And uh, so we tear off to our first crappie spot. And so this spot, Joel double checked last the night before And the crappies were all still there. And it's just like a pure crappie spot. It wasn't mixed. So it's like the plan was just to catch as many as you can, ice as many crappies as you can, um, just to kind of, you know, play the numbers. The more you catch, the more hopefully you can upgrade and just get a a really good crappie bag that way. And so we go to spot number one. We start drilling. Joel starts fishing. I start dropping cameras. Houston, we have a problem. I'm not seeing that many crappies there's a couple around here and there like literally one I'd be like crappie in this hole and he'd come running over and he would try to catch it and wouldn't maybe it wasn't there by the time he got there I don't know um and I was I was using the camera quite a bit and uh we just we finally were like we got to bail we got to bail on the spot it's all our crappies are just they're not here so we go to spot number two same thing like oh crap well this isn't good and uh so we're Expanding our search, we're going around, let's go over here, drill more holes, check the camera, nothing, nothing, nothing. You know, we're catching a couple of bluegills, but they're not really helping. Um so I got a couple of pins that I'd found that had they weren't holding as many fish, but they were like better size fish, and they're kind of running around these little wolf packs, and there was actually pretty good bluegills mixed in. And so we went and checked that spot out. Nope, number three spot was a bust, number four spot also a bust. By this time, it's noon or after noon and we fish till two. We don't have a single crappie in the bucket. This is full on panic mode right now. If we don't fill if we don't get a limit, we will finish dead last. And if I finish dead last, I am selling everything I have. I will be on suicide watch uh if this is not going to be good like we are freaking out so we go to this other spot that early on like one of the first times we went out fishing we found this spot and it looked like a great spot we call it like the ditch it was just this little like bottleneck area slightly deeper and it was holding a shit ton of crappies but as time went on we saw more and more teams are kind of discovering it and they're hitting it and it was getting beat up and when we checked it it kind of they weren't really there anymore. They'd kind of spread out. So we didn't put a whole lot of stock in that area. But at this point we're like, we gotta check everything. So we're kind of making this big loop around this flat. And so we checked that area and they're not in there like they were before, but we start fishing and we finally catch our first crappie. You know, we're running into the teams like, oh how's it going? Like, well we don't I haven't caught a crappie yet. They're like, what? Are you kidding? Like everybody else limited out in like the first hour like super easy. So the bite was just fire. Of course. Which whatever. I mean, we again we're sticking to the plan. We're gonna get our bluegills and come get our crappies. But it just wasn't happening in this spot. We're bouncing all over trying to get it done. We're like, all right, we gotta we got to got to give up on this. Like we have like we have an hour left. And we have a crappie in our bucket. So we go to our uh, another spot. I mean we had pins all over the place. We go to this next spot. And we start fishing there, and then sure enough, there's crappies there, thank God. And we start we both start catching. And we went on a pretty good run there, filled our bucket, started making some upgrades, and then it was time to, you know, then it was like fifteen minutes to two, time to time to call, break out the scale, start weighing everything, and then we ended up actually weighing what we call a goofy bag. So like generally you weigh seven, seven uh bluegills and eight crappies because you get that if you have seven and seven, you get that bonus fish, right? But you know, crappies, for the most part, are going to weigh more than your bluegills. Not in our case. (laughs) So our, our, what would it be? Our smallest crappie, so our seventh biggest crappie, no, would be our eighth biggest crappie. Yeah, eighth biggest crappie actually weighed less than our eighth biggest bluegill. So we weighed eight bluegills, seven crappies. That's generally not a good thing. (laughs) Although we did weigh a goopy bag on Clearwater when we won, but that was an extreme case. Um, just getting a limit on that lake that day was like, that was the trick. I don't even, I think there was like five full bags or three full bags or something like that that day, but there was a lot of full bags on this one. And so, yeah, we head back to weigh in and it wasn't good. I mean, we were in, going into this event, we were third place for team of the year. We were down six points, I believe. So we needed a really good showing, which again is just why we kind of took this risk this calculated risk to, you know, hoping to, to win it. I mean, you always want to win it, but like we were really trying to kind of set ourselves apart and it just didn't work after all said and done. Um, I think the top 11 teams had over eight pounds and I don't remember, I mean, I think I blocked it out of my memory, but it wasn't good. It was, I don't know. We had, was it six pounds and something? I don't remember. It was, it wasn't good. And we finished, uh, Thirteenth, fifteenth, fifteenth, something like that. I don't. know. It was. It's not good. Anyways, knocked us out of the running for sure for team of the year. Um. And so that was pretty rough. Uh. Just kind of. You go over it, you know. Like I said, like well, we got to stick to it and just be okay with whatever happens. But. <sighs> taking a defeat like that's always gonna be tough. It's just always, always gonna be tough. But as I had the the week to kind of reflect on it and kept replaying. Scenes and you know, shoulda, coulda, would in your mind, and going back and forth said, You know what? I am okay with it because I feel like the the strategy was sound, it just didn't pan out. If our fish hadn't left those first two spots, and like we roll up and start catching crappies, and we have the rest of the day to catch and call crappies, we would have been just fine. Because as we went and weighed in, you know, you never do this, you never just weigh your bluegills, but just looking and talking to other teams. Pretty sure we had the best bluegill bag. So if we could have just had an average crappie bag, that would have been it. That would have you know put us put us over the edge more more than likely. It just that's just not how it turned out. When we finally did get on some crappies, we just ran out of time. We only had an hour left to do a full day of catching and culling, and it just we just straight up ran out of time. That's what happened. Now the only thing, if you know you could rewind. If you could rewind time, if you could go back in time, this is time travel, and you're going to do it all over again. I would do it all over again, and the only thing I would change is our first crappie spot. Because the thing is, where we ended up, like I said, we made a big, giant circle. So as we left our bluegill spot to go to our first crappie spot, we passed the spot we ended up on. And we knew there was some fish there, but there were, it was a mixed school, and which isn't necessarily a bad thing. But we wanted like a straight up crappie spot so that, you know, we weren't irritated with bluegills. Like every fish we caught would have been a crappie and it just would have maximized that ability to catch and hopefully upgrade. Now, in hindsight, looking back on it, probably because it was so close, it's like, well, just whip in here because it's literally on the way, fish for a half hour and then go over there. Had we had done that, we probably would have had our crappies right away and probably wouldn't have left. We would have just stayed there and caught crappies all day. And and then we'd be telling an entirely different story, more unlikely. But that's not what happened. Um, but, yeah, you, you know, you, you replay moments in your head and pretty frustrating right away. But, like I said, it's like, well, you know what? We went for it. And in hindsight – because it, you know, where we were at six back, it wouldn't have really helped us to be just in the mix, right? It wouldn't have helped us to come in fifth or sixth. We needed to make a serious move, and I felt like it was it was win it, you know, it was all or nothing. And I mean, we got more on the nothing side, but I I feel like it was worth the risk. I'm okay with it. Um, would would I I would do it again? So. So that's that. Um, so after that's done now it's getting ready for the uh frankie's state panfish tournament this one's for big money now i was fishing with uh dave carp so the way that worked out is last year for some reason his buddy couldn't fill in and i was on doug glimmerveen's podcast smackdown outdoors and i must have been talking about it and dave you know like i want to fish it someday and then dave was watching that so he reached out to me right away and asked me if i wanted to fill in i was like hell yeah well, then COVID came and they canceled it, um, but they had it this year. And so he asked me if I still was wanting to do it. Yeah, of course. So um, I thought in my head, in my great planning, like I, I, I'm i so good at planning and reading calendars. Uh, I thought I had like like an, our normal, like fishing every, like tournament every other weekend. I thought I had a full weekend and then, you know, the following weekend would be, The event. No, it's the upcoming weekend. I was like, oh, crap. I wasn't planning on taking Monday off, but I'm like, when else am I going to have time to scout? And Dave was going to be out there, and I hadn't fished with him yet, so we kind of needed to, you know, get to know each other and learn each other's styles and stuff like that. And so that's one of the reasons you didn't get a recap last week, because when I would have normally been doing this on top of, you know, my real job, I would have, I was out pre-fishing for Frankie's. And so I went out there, and that was on Chisago. And uh, man, there are just kind of like Rush, but there are fish everywhere. But unlike Rush, tiny, dinky fish. Like, it was hard to find good ones. Like, they were just, but they were everywhere. I mean, I was talking about this. Like, live scope is almost pointless out there. And I know you can kind of. You know, if you really got dialed and you know what you're looking at, you can see bigger fish and it can kind of help you, you know, hone in on some maybe slightly bigger schools. But there was no like soup, like way better class of fish. Like they were all relatively the same with some slightly bigger ones in there. But it's like if you had to put a live scope down, almost drill a hole anywhere in that lake, or at least in that south end where everybody goes, you spin that thing 360 degrees, you're just going to, ha- it's going to be full of information. Between all the weeds and the fish, it's like, yeah, there's fish there. There's fish everywhere you point that thing. So I had it. I didn't even use it. Like, I literally just used the the camera, and just that's all I did and just kept looking around and dropping pins when I would find, like, a good, you know, pumpkin seed or hybrid and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, I had kind of, like, I marked hybrid spots. I marked bluegill spots, and I marked crappie spots, and then I marked, like, mix spots. On Navionics on my phone and so I'd gone around and I was switching back and forth because my one drill died on me So I was using the same drill for both augers. augers. I have this little like three-inch um, Camera auger that actually it it goes in reverse You have to use the reverse direction on your drill and then a six-inch razor for my like fishing hole so I was kind of jumping back and forth with those, you know, when I would find something and then I wanted to size check it, I would drill a six inch hole and I would fish for them a little bit. And then I put the camera auger back on and I'm drilling around. And then to save battery, you know, sometimes you see like a, an old, somebody's old hole and they'll have like, I don't know, an inch of ice on it or maybe less. So instead of drilling all the way through, because there was a fair amount of, there was a fair amount of ice out there. that'd be like 18 inches or something. So kind of to save my battery power, anytime I ran into a situation like that, I would just punch that old hole. Well, that created a problem because, keep in mind, the camera auger goes in reverse. So it has a tendency to uh, loosen itself up, and then the auger fall. And generally not a problem. Like, you you have to drill this tiny little 3-inch hole, and there's hardly any room for it. So this has happened. It has come off the drill before, but you can – it, like, falls really slow, and you're able to grab it. It's not a big deal. Of course, the move would have been, you know, to – you know, put some sort of plate on there so it wouldn't even fit down the hole. That's what, you know, most people would. That's like most augers have that on there for that very reason. Um, I didn't, this one doesn't come with that and I didn't rig something up to do that. However, and what happened next, that little cover wouldn't even have helped me. So I hit this hole, which is pretty big. It's like an eight inch hole. And, uh, you know, I zap it. It breaks the stuff off and then there goes the drill and because it wasn't in the small three inch holes like in an eight inch there was nothing stopping it and that thing just went zoop, right to the bottom and I was able to drop my camera and see it but I didn't have a magnet or anything I was like I thought they're like how am I gonna get this thing? When I dropped a waypoint on I could probably go back and get it maybe <sighs> well probably not with Navionics I It's not that accurate, but so, uh, yeah, so that happened, and now I just have my six inch drill for camera work. (laughs) It's like, oh my god, Uh, of course. So I just kind of kept working around the lake and drilling holes, and I found another spot. And then I was starting to run out of light, so I went back to fishing for a little bit. Found a pretty good crappie spot there, so dropped some waypoints and boogied out. Uh, so then come that next Friday, so this would be last Friday. I took that day off, and again headed out there um, to keep looking around and kind of refine our search and, and try some things. And I had stumbled on um, pretty quickly. I found, uh, saw a couple real nice uh, pumpkin seeds and one hybrid that I oh man, I was like, ooh, that one. That's I need that one in my bag big time. And so Frankie's does it a little bit different. It's eight and eight. So no bonus fish. So you're just gonna weigh sixteen fish. Um eight bluegills, eight crappies. And those bigger bigger pumpkin seeds, that's what you want, or those hybrid bluegill pumpkin seed hybrids, they're they're chunky. They weigh they weigh a lot more per inch than just a straight bluegill. Um that kind of came into play on although we un- did end up only weighing one pumpkin seed on uh Easter Rush, but it was a half inch smaller than our biggest bluegill, but they weighed almost weighed the exact same. It's crazy. Like this, it's you can't go by like inches on those pumpkin seeds. They're just so thick. Uh, so, anyways, found a one on Chisago that would really like. So I was like, mm, gotta, this would be a good upgrade spot. And then looked around, and then found this. Uh, Towards the end of the day, we had the spot that was just like loaded with crappies. And we're like, all right. Well, I mean, we kind of had a different spot. The spot I had found Monday night had a bunch of crappies in it. That was going to be like our starting spot. Because we were going to get our crappies first. And until we found this other spot, which was just absolutely loaded with crappies. It's like every hole, you drop that camera down. And there was just like crappies everywhere. We're like, yeah, this is a spot. Because, again, this was going to be a numbers thing. Um, So many fish. Everybody's going to have a bag. It's just going to like, it, it's again, it's a numbers thing. How many fish can you catch? The more fish you can catch, the better your odds of catching a good one and calling and getting, you know, better than average bag. And uh, so that's kind of where we came up with that game plan. And the good part was is that that crappie spot was actually really close to where I'd seen those good pumpkin seeds. So we wouldn't have to move too much once it came time to like, okay, we get our crappies, let's go get our gills kind of a thing. So day of the event gets out, we're team number forty-five, I believe. So towards the end of <laughs> of the of the line, and that's kind of how they do it. So like in in Minnesota, maybe we have like shotgun starts. We have like uh, four flights. You know, and they just boom, everybody takes off and you go to your spots. Well, this one, you but you get in line and then you all take off and you can't pass the team in front of you until they like until you're at a right angle with them. Like if they turn off to fish a spot once you get like 90 degrees of them then then you can take off and go to your spot but and they and then they let you go earlier too so like in Minnesota made it starts at 7:30 7:30 boom everybody's off to the races you get their drill hole fish this one it starts at 7 but you drive out earlier so you can actually you can actually drill holes before it's legal time you just can't fish or put any electronics down which is kind of interesting so we get to our spot and we drill by the kind of time we get all our holes drilled, it's 7 o'clock and it's time to fish. So uh, Dave starts fishing right away, I start dropping the camera, and just like Easter Rush, Houston, we have a problem. Um The night before, when it was like every hole had tons of crappies on it, yeah, no, this one had like, like well, there's a crappie off in the distance, it looks really small check a couple other holes, nothing, nothing, another hole. Well, there's a crappie. And it's like, this isn't good. So we just keep drilling and we keep expanding. And the other hard part about this is like the the rules in Frankie's are are, um, pretty restrictive. Like you have to stay within 30 paces of your teammate, which isn't very much, by the way. It's only like 90 feet. And so when you're You want to drill out an area, it's really easy to get too far away. So we just had to constantly keep looking at each other. And there's a few times where I wasn't paying attention and Dave had to like grab his shit and run over and stay within those. So I'm glad that he was watching that because they run this this tournament pretty strict because there's, well, it didn't happen to be this way because they didn't have a bunch of teams dropped out. But if it hadn't been a full field, it's like 10 grand for first place. Um, This go around, I think it was like 7 grand. But, anyways, a lot of money on the line and they uh they they police are the pretty goods, and they have like volunteers running around in their trucks, and they're kind of watching people, so you have to they ain't afraid to disqualify teams, so you gotta make sure that you're following all the rules, and so that kind of makes it a little more difficult to to make moves and drill around um but yeah, we fished there probably in that spot probably longer than we should have, but we didn't end up getting our crappies there, and then we went to go try to get our bluegills in that spot and uh, caught a few, but not, I, I wasn't able to find those, the bigger ones, like I had seen on camera. And then, so we tear off to um, another spot. And so this, this is also Frankie's is also only five hours, It's seven to noon. So um, yeah, we don't, it's not as much time as regular Minnesota made. So we were already kind of starting to run out of time. So we had this other spot, and we ran there. And we did make a few upgrades on bluegills. And I, th- and actually, yeah, I caught our biggest crappie there, which our biggest crappie was not a big crappie. It was just our biggest. And sadly, when I caught them, like, oh, it's a big one, and I got my hands on it, and I'm, I was like, that's not a big one. It just looks big compared to everything else we have in the bucket. <laughs> the other difference is that in Minnesota, May we have a 7-inch bluegill minimum and an eight inch crappie minimum and a frankie's there's no minimum you can keep small as you want and uh yeah i had a few in there i did not want to weigh but without them we would not have a full bag and then uh it was over time to run back you know got the scale out weights of fish got our eight biggest crappies, eight biggest bluegills bring them to weigh in and uh, see how see how it pans out now i was not feeling very confident because these are pretty small fish and talking to the people, but it was kind of tough for everybody to find good fish, and we kind of heard the same thing from a lot of teams, like, well, our fish just weren't there, blah, 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 so it's like, for whatever reason, the fish kind of shifted around, so we we weren't alone in that endeavor, but it was still, it just wasn't a good bag, they were just super tiny, and, uh, yeah, the weights, the weights overall were not impressive, like, at all, and uh, so I think winning weight was like seven, nine or something like that. And, uh, so this is, it was different this year. Usually it's a one and done tournament on for Frankie's, but this year they tried a different format where top 10 day one, they made it a two day thing. So top 10 fish the second day for money. So all prizes are given out for 11th and below. And then, cash money is like wait and see who's going to actually finish first and then like restarts so the thing is like first or 10th on day one same value that just means you get to fish in the next day that's when the money's gonna change hands um so kind of kind of interesting and then it was a mystery lake and so they drew after weigh-in they drew for their that mystery lake so some teams kind of had the ability to if they had the whole week off scout it and they knew what possible lakes it could be so they kind of put some time in to get familiarized with it um, these other lakes in the area but some teams you know if they're out of town didn't really have that um, ability which I guess is why some teams dropped out they just they didn't like that format and they're like well it's a disadvantage to the local guys or, or whatever and so but there was a little bit of drama in that way in on the first day so we're watching everybody weigh in and I'm sitting next to the Paul and Evan from Minnesota made Paul Gazzoni and get all the way to the end. And they never called their number to weigh in like, um, where's our bucket? Because so another thing is the Minnesota made, we, you're in control of your bucket all the way up to weigh in the way this one does it. And I'm sure it's a, an effort to make sure there's no cheating and just, you know, when you come up, you bring your bucket of fish, you hand it over to the officials, and once they have it, you don't ever see it again. Like, it's out of your hands. And then they bring them back to Frankie's where the big weigh-in is. Um, And so, they were going through early, like, when they first started weighing fish and calling teams up to the stage and stuff, they were going pretty fast. And you notice, like, the team that was up there, they would already have the next team's um, bag weighed, and you're like, as somebody watching, I was like, "Well, this is kind of weird. Like, I don't, I don't know why they're they're doing this." And they just they weren't going very smooth. And so we get to the end, and yeah, they didn't weigh, or didn't think that they weighed Paul, and you know, so they had their top ten, and Paul and Evans fish, and they're like, well, "I think we're right there in that kind of seven, you know, two seven four cutoff of of tenth tenth place," but they never weighed it, so they brought it up, and they went looking, they couldn't figure out what was going on, and then they finally figured out what happened. So all the fish in this tournament are actually um, donated. So we like feed needy families and hungry families and stuff like that. So once they would weigh a bag or a bucket, they were all dumping them in like a big group tub or something. I didn't see how, where they are putting it, but then, you know, our fish will all get processed or whatever. So early on when they were going really fast, what they think had happened is that they weighed it, and dumped it but then you know so somebody else kind of got credit for their bag basically and i do remember like if you went back and you watched the frankie's marine live thing you can go on facebook and go like frankie's marine and you can go back and watch um the team that went up there like oh your weight is seven whatever and they're like and you could see the confusion on their face because they knew they didn't have that good of a bag and they're like don't think that's our weight And they're like, all right, well, congratulations. And they walked off and like, "Uh, okay. So they were in the top 10. So what they figured out is that that actually wasn't their weight. So before, so something else happened later. So in the meantime, um, tournament director got up there and he's like, hey, we messed up big time. Um, And there's no way to really rectify this and to prove what they had except for, you know, thankfully, you know, Paul Gazzoni has a good reputation. He's a sportsman. I would definitely vouch for him and the tournament director knew him and they weigh their fish, you know, because they like to know what they have going into it. And they knew they were going to be right in there. So they, even if they didn't, this was the right call. So what they said is that there is going to be 11 teams fishing the next day because what else are you going to do? you didn't wait, you can't just, that was the right thing to do. And I made some of the other teams, you know, kind of, we're like, well, that's not really fair. It's like, well, it was a mess-up. What are you going to do, right? Um, I thought it was the right call. Well, it kind of got fixed because that team that had the wrong weights, well, they went back and watched the video that was posted on Facebook, and they could see, like, when they weighed the big fish, they knew they didn't have a big a fish that big. And so they were like, they made a post on Facebook, and I'm sure they called the tournament director and stuff, and they're like, here's the deal. Um that wasn't our big fish. That was not our bag. That had to be Paul and Evan's bag. And because that was theirs and we would have been probably the one before that, which was like six pounds and someone ounces and wasn't good enough for top 10. And they pulled themselves out of the top 10 and which is a very respectable thing to do. Honorable sportsmanlike thing to do. Must've been a tough decision because there's real money on the line. Um, but also the right decision. So my hats off to them for doing that. Um, that was that was a stand up move for sure. So a little bit, it's a little bit of a controversy there, but they got it figured out in the end. So then day two, the the top ten went and did did what they did. Uh, in the end, I think Paul and Evan finished fourth, if I'm not mistaken. So they did pretty good. Um, yeah, we had a couple. Minnesota made I think there was four in total Minnesota made people in it in the top 10 so that was that was pretty cool but I went and took myself fishing uh Sunday as my Sunday opened up with my not so great bag um but it was fun it was fun fishing with Dave uh he's a super cool dude hang on with hope we get to fish together again and uh, so he, was, he actually went down to the lake to kind of watch takeoff and see what was going on. Then he had to, he had to run down and uh, start scouting and pre-fishing for their next event. So uh, I don't think I mentioned this, but uh, Dave Karp's in the UPL. So he's like in the other Minnesota turn fish, uh, Panfish Tournament League. So he had to go fish Shields Lake. But my Sunday was wide open. And so Joel and I decided, well, let's try to go get some, just fish for fun, find some nice big panfish somewhere. And so we ran to this lake. We haven't fished in a while. It was actually in Wisconsin. And uh, we head out there, and uh, yeah, they, uh, not, the big ones aren't there. Or we didn't find them anyways. You know, we caught some fish. They were not great. So we decided to go to another lake, and they're even smaller there, and we checked some other place you know on the lake checked out some other spots we did kind of find a new spot which kind of that was kind of fun um, playing with the new toy of the live scope and uh, there were slightly better bluegills over there but still not great and uh, it was cold it was, you know what what was weird is in the morning it was 9 below 0 but felt night there was like no wind and the sun was shining like i had my hood off for a little bit like it was it was nice but then as the afternoon wore on uh, some cloud cover moved in and just a small breeze kicked up. And that was just enough to, like, make it much colder. And because the fishing just wasn't great, it was like, you know what? I'm still salty from our a bad finish Saturday. <laughs> I'm over it. <laughs> let's let's go get a burger and a beer. Let's get the hell out of here. Uh, so that's what we ended up doing, and uh, which was fun. It, it was fun, just not, like, no pressure fishing. Would have been nice if quality would have been a little bit better, but... Yeah, what are you gonna do? So now the next, the next event um, for us, our fourth and final event, and we are out of the race for team of the year, but um, still got to go for a win. I mean, you still want that plaque, you know? My goal this year going into it was I wanted to stay in the top five every event, which. Event one, that worked, came in third. Event two, Pyre Lake, was seventh, so that already went out the window, and then we dropped even further back <sighs> with 15th. That was just stupid. Um, So, but salvage the season, win one. I'm really looking forward to this. this. is Gull Lake up by Brainerd. I've never ice fished it. I've only open water fished it like one time, but I know that it's got really quality panfish in it so that it has the ability to put out some really good bags. Um so I'm excited. I'm excited to, to fish that one and, and see some of the bags that get pulled out of there. So hopefully we can do really well. Bring some, save save this season by bringing some hardware home. That would be really nice. And then uh, pretty much right after that, it's uh, straight to South Dakota and start the snow goose season. So, and then and then, then it's spring and then it's up, turkeys and open water. So it's. Snowballing. I mean, this it doesn't seem like it now because it's still pretty cold up there today. But winter, uh, it's it's almost over, folks. I know some people like that and some people don't. I'm kind of indifferent to it. I mean, I like my winters, but I don't know. It, I mean, I, I like them. Um, I like all the seasons that we have up here in the Upper Midwest. I just like them where they belong. I, I like winter just fine. I don't like winter when it stretches into May. That I start getting irritated then. So <laughs> let's progress the way it should, which I think it's going to be. Well, it's been a pretty cold winter. Hopefully that breaks and we have a just a normal spring. It doesn't have to be an early spring. I'm fine with just a normal spring, but we'll see what's going on. So um, if anybody wants to go snow goose hunting with me, uh, get a hold of Dean with Premier Flight and uh, book book a hunt out there in uh, Lake Preston, South Dakota. I think it was like a four or five-hour drive from the Twin Cities. Not bad. Um yeah, come out, and, come out and hang, and we'll shoot some geese and drink a beer afterwards. It's a good time, really good time. I love that community out there Lake Preston. It's got like a home away from home. Looking forward to that. Should be a very good time. So there, that brings you. You're all caught up uh, with my last two weeks, my uh, lackluster fishing. But, uh, you know, it is what it is. What are you going to do? Um, I had fun. It's just uh, the way it's just... Didn't pan out with what I was hoping to. So I'm not going to get into it again from the rant here, but I did notice, and maybe I'll do another deep dive on it, which I don't know. You guys are probably so tired of me bitching about this, but federal judge has put, except for some of the Western states, has put the gray wolf back on the endangered under the Endangered Species Act protections. It's like you have got to be kidding me. I cannot believe that Minnesota cannot get their shit together and get this managed. It's just unreal. Well, now it's at a federal level again, so now even Wisconsin can't even do it. It's like in the only other states that really have wolves is Minnesota, Wisconsin, and Michigan. Uh, There might be some in North Dakota. I know they don't have a ton. I don't think they have any in Maine. Uh, That's like pretty much it. But the stupid thing is, and if you've heard me say this on this show before, maybe not, it might be new to the show, but the crazy thing is, it's verifiable. You can look it up yourself. I crunched the numbers. But Minnesota has more wolves than all of the Western states combined. And those Western states still, you know, they hunt them. They hunt them out there. Like, it's just unreal. It's like, I just don't, I don't believe it. And I know there's a lot of people out there that like wolves. I like wolves. I love wolves. I think they're great. I love having them on the landscape. I, don't, it's not, I do not want to hunt them to extinction or extirpation, but they are a renewable resource. There is no scientific reason in this state, in the state of Minnesota, that they shouldn't be managed as a big game animal like anything else. I, there's, just, there's just no reason. It flies in the face of sound Wildlife management practices follow the science. How many times have we had to hear that during all this whole COVID shit? Well, follow the science. There's plenty of wolves. They do, there is actually so many wolves that, and I'm surprised that a judge reversed this decision or whatever because it, under the Endangered Species Act, they set the parameters and they don't even meet the criteria to have those protections anymore. So, this is a straight political move. Obviously, the judge is probably, you know, animal rights guy himself or something or herself. I don't even know if it's a man or woman judge. And, um, you know, it it this our wildlife management should not be left to lawmakers. It just shouldn't. We need to put that power firmly and solely in the hands of wildlife management people. And they can dictate, you know, they just... Crunch the numbers and just take the motions out of it. Is there enough to have a harvest and maintain a healthy population? Yes. Then we are going to have a harvest. That's how that's going to go. We're going to have a quota. When the quota is met, you can shut the season down. There's all sorts of stuff you can do. But there is plenty. And, you know, even Wisconsin had it. And Wisconsin even has a fraction of the wolves that Minnesota has. And even back, you go all the way back when wolves were virtually – extirpated from the lower 48 Minnesota still had wolves in northern Minnesota they can come and go they can cross the Canadian border easy peasy it's not a it's not a problem so it, the one state in the lower 48 where this should never be an issue it's a constant issue I just don't understand it's, ugh, it's so incredibly frustrating but I'll I'll look more into that um, and maybe I'll I'll do a deeper dive on that for next week or maybe i'll stumble upon something else i don't know or if there's anything you want me to look into send me a message um let me know and i'll uh, i'll give me some homework i'll look into it and uh and then we'll go from there so all right everybody thanks you very much for tuning in and listening um numbers are are going up this year, so I'm I'm pretty happy. Thank you, everybody who is listening and spreading the word and uh, sharing the podcast. I uh, can't thank you enough. Uh, Without you, I would just be talking to a wall, so I'll thank you. I might still talk to a wall, but it's so much cooler knowing that there's people out there that actually listen, and I love it when you engage. So um, you guys have any questions about fishing or hunting or snow goose hunting or whatever it might be? Send them my way. You got subjects that you want um, Nick Johnson and I to talk for the Waterfall Wednesday episode that comes out every week. If you guys know anybody that uh, goose hunts or you do it yourself, definitely check out those. But uh, just click the follow button and subscribe where you can and uh, follow along. That, that's the best thing. And then you can also, I know there's all sorts of stuff you can do, depending on the app, however you listen to it. I think there's like click the bell icon. You'll be notified when a new episode drops. Um, just follow it and rate and review it, if you would, on I, on the Apple Podcast. Appreciate that. But it's found everywhere. So I am now rambling. Let's finish this. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And remember, whatever your passion, appreciate it.